Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't, why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, you will lay down your life for my sake. Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. We are in the final hours in the life of Christ. We're at that, that place of the disciples and the Lord being in the upper room. And his betrayal is imminent. Um, he's ministering to the disciples in the, the final hours of his life here on earth. But the section that we have here this morning, I think, is very important for all of us. We, as Christians, are, are capable of all kinds of sin, aren't we? We're, we're capable of, of sinning in things that may seem small throughout every day, and we're, we're capable of gross sin as well. And we see it. We see people fall. We see people fall into all kinds of sins where they're at a place and the thing that comes out of their mouth is, I don't know how I even got here. And our text for this morning and looking at some other texts as well, I, I pray it would be a blessing to each and every one of us. Um, that it would keep us from sin. And if you've been in a place of falling into sin and habitual sin and gross sin, looking at what takes place here and looking at what it is that God has accomplished for us, I, I pray that it would cause your hearts just to um, adore Christ this morning. And so Jesus is, is there and he's been teaching the disciples and talking with them and Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answers him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. He doesn't get it. Peter doesn't get what's going on. But Jesus is explaining to him, you cannot go right now where I'm going. Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. Jesus is about ready to give up his life for his disciples, for his people, for us, to conquer sin and death, to take all of our sin upon himself so that we will have no condemnation now or forevermore. But Peter, as you look at him in Scripture, you'll find a man that more than likely you can relate to. Some of you may be more on the quiet side. Others of you may be the ones that are maybe a little bit more like Peter, where you... You say something, you're quick to say something, you're quick to act, and then you're the one that's like, ah, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. I, I think Peter would fall into that category. But Peter's questioning him. Lord, why can I not follow you now? Why? I'll, I'll lay down my life for your sake. I'll die for you. I'll go to the grave for you. And... Jesus responds, will you lay down your life for my sake? Will you really? 
Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, when we look at this, you need to remember that what we'll be looking at a lot of this morning falls within just a few hours. Him coming from a place of, I'll lay down my life for you, to denying Christ three times. Let's take a moment and, and, and see the fulfillment of this prophecy. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. Well, you can turn with me if you like to Luke chapter 22, beginning in this verse 54. Luke 22, 54. So we see the fulfillment of what takes place here as Jesus said that you'll deny me three times. Luke says here, it says in Luke twenty-two fifty-four, 54, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. And now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as, a, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. We find before us something in which... Peter would have looked upon in his life and just if he could have done it over again, he would have done it differently a thousand times over if it was possible for him to have that moment before, again. And um, we see that in the life of Peter, there's times in which he was very strong and there's times where he was very weak. You look at the life of Peter and I see times in which he... He said things like when Jesus is there and he's walking on water towards the disciples where Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you in the water. And Jesus says to him, come. And Peter goes out and, and, and he's walking on the water to go to Jesus and he sees the wind and then it's boisterous and he's afraid and he begins to sink and he says, Lord, save me. And Jesus stretches out his hand and catches him and says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But the fact that Peter would have even just said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. I'll, I'll walk out to you. And you see this guy walking on water, coming out towards Jesus as Jesus is walking towards him. I think of Peter saying, like, I know if, if that's him, he can make me walk out to him. The confidence of of me to come and then you see the doubt that's there just seconds later you see him where in matthew 16 it talks about jesus saying who do you say that i am 
as he's talking to disciples. Who do you say that I am? And Peter's response is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right on. Jesus answers and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You, you got the answer right. God revealed this to you, Peter. But Peter was the one to give such a quick answer. I'll, I'll answer. I'll, I'll, I, maybe all the other disciples were thinking, like, I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> I don't want to say something wrong. Peter just, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. For us as Christians, we're prone sometimes to think so highly of ourselves and our own abilities, our own strength, our own determination, what we're able to do. We're so quick to look upon others who fall into sin and, and, and just think, like, I would never do that. I would never do that. And we find here an example of what we see in 1 Corinthians where it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you think you stand, take heed lest you, lest you fall. So looking at this particular scene, Jesus has just told him, you're going to deny me three times. Well, what takes place after that? We, we find Jesus ministering to all the disciples. And from this point on till the end of that, that time in the upper room, we have no record of Peter saying anything else. He doesn't say anything more. He doesn't contribute anything more to what's taking place in the upper room. Probably because he just heard Jesus say, no, you know what? You're going to deny me three times before that rooster crows. You're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And Peter just is so brought to a place of, how could he say that? I would never do that. I just told him I would die for him. And he said this. And Peter just doesn't say anything else for the rest of his time up there. At least that's recorded. Matthew tells us that from that point, when they leave the, the, the upper room, they, they're there, they, they sing a hymn together. So there's all these guys there, and they, they sing this hymn. And um, Jesus says to them, after they sing this hymn, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it, has been, it, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. All of you are going to be made to stumble. We find again that, that, that Peter, Matthew records Peter is saying, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus says, assuredly I say to you, once again, that this night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter says, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Now, what we're told in the Gospel of Luke in relation to all these things is that Jesus says to Peter, you know, you know that, that his name is Simon, but Jesus changed his name to Peter, and you see him being Peter meaning rock. So he's called Simon Peter sometimes when he's not doing so well, Simon Peter. Um, John, who's his best friend, I think like over and over and over again, John just, said, just calls him Simon Peter just throughout the whole thing, but Peter must have just heard Simon Peter and just thought, like, when Jesus calls me Simon or Simon Peter, he's looking at that old man that I was and, and my weaknesses. But Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. 
So Jesus has said to me, just so you know, Peter, Satan has asked for you. He wants to sift you like wheat. Satan has specifically asked for you. But I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. The Lord praying for him. He doesn't say that you're not going to stumble. He's already told him that he's going to stumble. But he says, I, I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. For me, those are just incredibly encouraging words. For me, a sinner. For me, a sinner, to hear the Lord saying, I know you're going to fall, but when you do, return to me. And then strengthen the brethren. I, I love verses that say things like, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. If any of us have any kind of idea of our own sinfulness, we love verses like that, don't we? Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. We love verses like, he who began a good work in us, be faithful to complete it. Or he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Or he works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We love verses like that because we see that God is doing something. He holds us in his hand. His Father who's greater than all holds us in his hand. There's no one that can snatch us away. We love verses like that because it just shows us he's going to hold on tight to us. And he prays for us. And, and, and when we return, he doesn't say, and if you return, Peter. He just simply says, and, and when you return, and so, here he is, and, and Jesus has just said this to him. And we're told that Jesus tells the disciples to watch and to pray, to pray. They're there on the Mount of Olives there, and, and, um, or there in the garden. And, and we're told that, that as they're there, Jesus is, is telling them, watch and pray. Pray. And what does he do? He comes back and he finds them asleep again. Their eyes were heavy. And they don't know how to answer Jesus. He comes to them a third time and he says, Are you still sleeping and resting? He had told them to watch and to pray. In fact, specifically in Mark, it tells us that Jesus goes to Peter and says, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch for one hour, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Pray. Peter, pray. And so Jesus is specifically going to him, Peter, pray. You need to pray right now. Pray. I want you to spend time in prayer. Pray. Just stay awake. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. So as we look at this and we see what takes place, I want to be able to look at this from the side of, here's Peter, he has fallen into gross sin, God knew that he was going to do this, and watching, how did he get there? We begin with just incredible pride, if all of them leave you, I won't. If all of them do, there's no way, I'll die with you, there's just this incredible pride that is there within him. And if that marks us, God help us, we're in a bad place. If we're in a place of thinking like, I'm above, I'll, I'll never do that. I would never do that. I mean, God just humble us real quickly to know like, we can fall into all kinds of sin. If Peter's there and he's just 
been with Jesus and he's with them and he's in the upper room and he's hearing all that's being said. And Jesus even said, you're going to fall before that rooster crows. You're going to deny me three times. And he still does it. Just know, brothers and sisters, we're, we're capable of gross sin. And so he had incredible pride. The next thing that that pride led to was a lack of dependence upon Christ, didn't it? So he has pride, and then Jesus says, pray. Peter, let me call you out by name. Peter, Simon, pray. Are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Even one hour, could you not pray? That was a text that was used um, in a seminary class that I took at the Master Seminary with Dr. Jim Roscup. And this man was just a man of just incredible prayer. And the class, part of the requirements of passing the class was that you had to pray for one hour a day. And I remember thinking, like, an hour? Like, an hour a day? And he said, you guys, you, just so you know, like, it will seem like not enough time as, as this semester goes on. You'll find yourself in a place of, like, oh, I have much more to pray about than just the one hour. But I remember hearing him, like, you know, could you not watch and pray for one hour? So he just took that as, like, I'm not trying to make a legalistic thing, but he was just saying, as seminary students, part of your classes, you're going to pray for an hour a day. And it was a sanctifying thing for me to go through that. But here's Peter, Jesus saying, could you not watch and pray for one hour? Watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. What that tells us is um, we need to be people who pray. I mean, if, if we want to keep from falling into sin on a daily basis, we need to be people who aren't proud as far as thinking we could do it on our own. And the manifestation of that comes out in that we are a people who pray. God, help me in my marriage. Help me as I serve you. Help me in my workplace. Help me not to fall into sin. Help me to flee these things. Help me to hate these things. Help me to pursue righteousness. Help me to feed on the things of you and just treasure you and learn to treasure you above everything else in this world. Help me to do that and help it to be something that takes place moment by moment, daily. Help it to be something that takes place. Peter's there just saying, I'll die for you. And Jesus is saying, you can't even stay awake for me. Like it's just been a short time. We just left. You just said that you would die for me and could you not watch and pray for one hour? Are you still sleeping? Are you still sleeping? Are you still sleeping? And Peter's there and yeah, he's sleeping. And most of us can relate to that. Getting to a place of just like, I don't think I can stay awake. I mean, I, it's a weekly thing for me. I have so much to do, but I don't know if I can stay awake. Jesus is saying, watch and pray. Well, he falls asleep. We're told in, in that immediately Jesus comes back, finds him sleeping again, and Judas comes with a great multitude with swords and clubs with the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. It's a multitude of people. There's thought that it's hundreds of people that have come. And what does Peter do? He has a sword takes out his sword and strikes the ear off Malchus. Now I look at this and I've seen him like, I will die with you. 
Even if all of them leave, I won't, I'll die with you. Right answer, right? Except it's all in his own ability. Falls asleep during prayer, doesn't pray. He gets woken up, hundreds of people there. And he's not there going like, oh man, there's like hundreds of you. He's like, bring out my sword and I'll chop off Who's next? I, and I don't think that he was like aiming for the guy's ear. I think he was aiming for his head and was just a better fisherman than he was a swordsman. <laughs> Takes off the guy's ear. But I, I, I see Peter as someone who, like I know he gets rebuked for this and Jesus is telling him that his time is, is, is there to, to, to go to the cross. But I think there's something at least admirable in Peter where he's just like, like I'll, I'll take them all on. You're not taking my Lord. I'll take them all on. Because in his mind, it's just like, nah, I, I'll die for you. Well, Jesus puts Malchus's ear back on. He says to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And, and so they, they take Jesus. Mark tells us in chapter 14, verse 50, that at that time, they all forsook him and fled. All of them did. All the disciples forsook him and fled. Peter, we're told that in Mark 14, verse 54, Peter followed him at a distance. At a distance. Now, you might look at that and think, well, good for Peter. It was Peter and John more likely John, that followed from a distance, just watching. Everybody else forsook him, but here's Peter like, no, I'm, I'm going to still, I'm gonna fo- I want to follow him. I want to see what's taking place. And so he follows him from a distance. I think that that little phrase there, from a distance, matters. Should he have been at a distance away from the Lord? Absolutely not. He should have followed him and been right there with him. But he didn't. He followed at a distance. And when you think of when we stumble and you think of when we fall, it happens frequently when you're following him from a distance. When you're at a place in your life where you're, you're thinking, I don't, I don't want to be too close to him because when I'm too close to him, then I kind of feel guilty about this thing that I'm planning on doing. And so I'm just going gonna, gonna to follow from a distance. And that's what, G, that's what Peter's doing. He's following him from a distance. But he goes into the courtyard of the high priest and he sits with the, the servants and, and, and he begins to warm himself at the fire. Probably another problem in which he's doing. Not only is he following Jesus from a distance, but now he's right there with the enemy warming himself there at the fire with him. So we find him at a place of have an incredible pride. We find him at a place of failing to pray, following from a distance, and being in a group as far as the company in which he's with that is not a good place for him to be. And what takes place? He falls. I like how we're told in the gospel accounts that it starts with a, a girl that comes to him. A little girl that comes to him. This man was also with him. It's not this whole 
cohort of, of soldiers that comes to him. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a servant girl that comes. Peter went from being so strong to a girl comes to him and he denies. Others come to him, he denies. He denies to the point where he's swearing. He's swearing over and over again that he does not know the man. He does not know Christ. And the key thing to look at here is this, is this is within hours, brothers and sisters. It's within hours. There's times in our life in which we may think, like, I'm doing so well. But when we think that we can do it by ourselves, we are so quick to come to a place of failing and failing miserably as we try to fight sin. We need to be people who are constantly walking with him, constantly praying, constantly depending upon him. You see Paul in Scripture where he's asking for prayer, where he says, Ephesians 6.19, Pray for me, that the utterance may be given to me, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me. Would you pray for me? Would you commit to praying for me that I might have boldness in what God's called me to do? Paul's not saying, like, I can do this on myself. He's saying... I'm weak, but when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And it's the reason why I'm strong is because of Christ who's working in us. We are capable of gross sin apart from God's enabling of us to serve him. You see it with, when God's talking about putting on the, the full armor of God. One of the things that he says there is take that helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and being watchful to this with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray and have it be where you're praying always with all prayer and supplication. It should be something that is a part of our lives to where we just realize I am so dependent upon him. I know that I look around this room and I know many of you, most of you, to where you want to finish well, don't you? You want to glorify God in your life. You want to be a godly husband or a godly wife or you want to be godly in your workplace or you want to be a godly child. You want to be at a place where you're serving him and there's fruit that's coming forth out of your life and you want to be victorious over sin. You don't want to keep falling into the same sin over and over again and you surely don't want to fall into gross sin that's going to just destroy your testimony and hurt the body of Christ and cause great division and cause people just to break and to break and to break. You don't want that. But listen, you cannot do that on your own. You need to be in a place where you're totally and completely dependent upon God for righteousness. You need to be in a place where you're taking on the full armor of God because you cannot do it on your own. You need God's word. You need the sword of the spirit. And you need to be in a place where you're praying and praying always, God, help me. I mean, Peter just went from the upper room thinking like, dude, I'll die for you, to a little girl coming and saying like, I don't know him. I mean, he went from chopping off someone's ear with hundreds of soldiers behind him to cursing and saying, I don't know the man. The roller coaster in which Peter has been on Brutal when you think about it. The, the result of his sin 
surely it had an impact on his life. I mean, to think of him cursing and just cursing, I don't know him. And then what happens? It says, at that point, Jesus looked at him. He, he's there. He's been beaten, been whipped. Peter's close enough to where he can see him. And Luke tells us that Jesus looked at him. Peter hears that rooster crow, and what does he do? He just goes out and he just, he just breaks. He weeps bitterly. He hates his sin. He hates the fact that he's fallen. He hates the fact that Jesus just looked at him. There was eye contact that was made when he fell and when he cursed and said, I don't know him. The one that he had just followed for three years and said, I will die with you. Even if all are made to stumble, I'll never stumble. I'll never fall. It'll never be me. And then he just looks at Jesus as he's cursing, saying, I don't know him. I don't know what that look was like. I don't think it was like a, I told you so. But whatever that look was, that look of love towards him, looking at Peter, it, he broke. He went away and just bawled his eyes out, just wept and wept and wept over his sin. If Peter could have done it over again and not been so proud, if he had, could have done it over again and just stayed up that night, and I'm just going to pray lest I fall into temptation. I want to pray. I want to depend on him. I want him to just enable me to not deny him, to not do these things. I'm going to just depend upon him. I can't do anything on my own. Apart from him, I can do nothing. I don't want zero confidence in my own flesh. I just want to be at a place of just, I depend on him. I depend on him. I want to walk with him. I want to walk in the spirit. I want to have his word filling me up. I want to just be constantly, God, help me to glorify you. Help me to do that. I want to be in a place where I'm just calling upon him. The best place that we could ever be is being in a place of just depending on him. We don't realize how dependent we are on him, do we? We just don't realize it. We we can't do anything on our own apart from him as far as good things coming out of our lives. Not only that, but our breath, the very breath that we breathe is dependent upon him. Last night was just one of the most, well, it was the most frightening thing that Tosh and I have ever been through since we were married. We have this alarm system underneath our little baby's crib that if the baby stops breathing for 20 seconds, the alarm goes off. Or if it's breathed less than 10 times in a minute, the alarm goes off. And I was studying, Tosh was doing some work, we were downstairs. We've had that thing underneath Jonathan's bed, underneath Natalie's bed, eight years of setting that alarm it goes off, but it goes off when we take them out or take one of the babies out and forget to turn it off. And, but we knew we put them in that crib. And that alarm went off last night at like 10-something at night. And I, I, I sprinted up those stairs as fast as I possibly could. But in my mind, it was, that thing has never gone off. We know the baby's in the crib. In the whole way, I was just like, God, please, no, 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 please, God, no, no. It just praying, I mean, out loud, praying, God, no, 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 no. Help us, God. 
And we got up there and he was okay. They said sometimes like the baby will stop breathing and the alarm startles them. Um, They said sometimes there's false alarms. But whatever it was, God's sovereign over it all. I, I cannot make my baby breathe one more time apart from God doing that. And when God calls any one of our kids home or myself or anybody here in this room, it is going to be in his timing that he does it. But there was just this, God, no, 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 no. As we're sprinting up the staircase to see if the little baby's still there. And then Tasha just wept and wept afterwards. But you just feel so vulnerable. You don't know. There's nothing. I, I felt so powerless. All I could do was, God, no, no, please, no. As I ran up the stairs. You're just calling upon him. Lord, you do. but we need that to be us in life. We need to be in a place of like, no, God, help me. I can't do anything apart from you. I can't have any fruit come out of my life. I can't stay strong. I can't be someone who just overcomes all sin apart from the Holy Spirit working in me. And he's given me tools towards that. The greatest tool that he's given me is, is to depend on him. How does that dependence work? It, it, it works by prayer. It works by being in his word. It works by fasting. It works by not forsaking the gathering together of the body and realizing that God's gifted everybody here with different gifts for the purpose of edifying one another. It works by a constant dependence upon him. The greatest thing that God has called us to as his people is to depend on him. We can't do anything apart from him. And Peter did not get that. Peter thought, I will never, I will never, I'll never, I'll sleep here, but I will never forsake you, but I'll sleep here. And Jesus is saying, just watch and pray. Simon, you, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. And he comes to a place of cursing. I don't know the man. And then he looks at Jesus, or Jesus looks at him. They make eye contact. And that was the last thing that he remembers probably after seeing Christ die on the cross. Um, I think that if Peter could have done it over again, he would have listened to Jesus and depended upon Jesus all the way through. But may that be us, you guys. Depend on him. Depend on him. Now you maybe have fallen into a place where you have fallen into sin. You've fallen into sin. You didn't depend on him. You thought you were so strong and yet pride came before the fall and you fell and your fall was great and there's incredible repercussions to that fall and so many people have been hurt and marriages have been destroyed or trust has been lost or whatever it is that's happened has happened as a result of just gross sin that's in your life that took place. Well, let me encourage you this morning with the restoration of Peter. Jesus rose again from the dead and the women went to, to see the body or to, to go to the tomb. And they come and there's this angel that's there that says, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. 
radical. Can you imagine the women coming running back? There was this angel that was there and he was on the stone. And this, he said that he's risen. Just like he said. He said he's going to see you in Galilee. But he said, he said that we are to go and to tell the disciples and Peter. And I can imagine Peter there just going like, wait, 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 wait. Did you say, and did he really say, and Peter? Are you adding that in? And them saying, no, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. I mean, so much so that him and John just take off running. And John humbly says, I outran him. (laughs) But what does Peter do? He just goes straight into the tomb, doesn't he? I mean, in his mind, it's, he said, and Peter, he's risen full speed ahead to get there. We're told that after the resurrection, they're waiting to see Jesus and Jesus has already appeared to them again. But now John tells us that Peter said, I'm going fishing. We're going fishing. And the other disciples said, okay, we're going to go fishing too. So they're fishing out on the boat and they don't catch anything all night. And there's Jesus on the shore. They didn't know that it was Jesus. And he says, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Here's Peter. He's got his shirt off. He's fishing all night. It's the Lord. Puts his shirt back on. Why? Just out of respect. You think you would take your shirt off and jump in the water? No, he puts his shirt back on. And in his mind, it's, you guys can't row me fast enough to get me to the shore. I'm swimming. Jumps in and he he cannot wait to be there before his Lord again. This is the kind of God that we serve in whom you sin and you sin against him in myriads of ways. And yet he's the one that we look upon and we just, we want to be at his feet. Whether it's running towards him or jumping in the water to swim towards him. Shortly right after, just right after that, they eat breakfast together. And Jesus comes to, to Simon Peter and he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Simon, do you love me? And Peter's response is, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says to him, feed my lambs. And he says to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says to him, tend my sheep. And then he says to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And he spoke, signifying by the death, by what death he would glorify God when he had spoken. 
And he said to him, follow me. Now picture this. They eat breakfast. He's just jumped into the water and swam to the Lord. They eat breakfast and Jesus saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And three times, Peter saying, yes, you know I love you. And I look at that and I just think, how gracious is it? I, I don't think it's by coincidence that he asked him three times. I think just in the same way that Peter denied Jesus three times, there's three times in which Peter said, you know I love you. You know I love you. You know, you know I love you. Three times, I love you. There's restoration that takes place. Follow me. Follow me. He said to him, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. That took place, you guys. As far as church history is concerned, it tells us that Peter died as a martyr. Um, He was crucified. And we're told that he first, Clement says that he he watched his wife be crucified first. And that he says to her, he called her by name and said, remember the Lord. Calls out to his wife, remember. Like, remember the Lord. Later on, Peter, right after that, he goes to be crucified and we're told that he asked to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to die as his Lord had died. And so they nailed him to the cross head downward. So Jesus said, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He went to his death for the Lord, but he had learned incredible lessons both from his mistakes and by what God had taught him through it. You see that he, in Acts, refers to the rulers and the people of Israel, and he says to them, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man's... By him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they marveled, and they had realized that they had been with Jesus. He's there and he's preaching to all these people and people are getting saved in just incredible numbers. But we're told that he spoke these things and the people saw the boldness of Peter. God had done this incredible work in his heart. Peter says things in his epistles where he talks about this inheritance that's incorruptible and it's undefiled and it doesn't fade away and it's reserved in heaven for you and it's kept by the power of God for salvation. It's kept by God's power, not their own power. Peter came to a place of just realizing, I can't do anything. You see that he says things like, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Rest your hope 
fully upon him. Young people, submit yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be humble. Don't be proud. Be humble. He cares for you. Humble yourself. He says things like, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He sifted me like, he did this to me. Humble yourselves. Depend on him. He will get you through this. You have an inheritance. It's kept by the power of God unto the day of salvation. Peter became a man more and more that was humble. I pray that we would look upon this text this morning. See the great confidence in which Peter had where he says, I'll lay down my life for your sake. To come to a place of learning from his mistakes to God, help me to depend on you as if I were running up the stairs with no ability to do anything apart from your enabling. Help me to depend upon you like that. Help me to be humble and not think highly of myself. Help me not to be the one where pride came before the fall. And help me just to walk with you in prayer, watching and praying, dependent upon you. I pray that as a result, our lives would just bring incredible glory and honor to his name. And that we would not fall to temptation. That we'd be delivered through the enabling that comes from God who's working in us. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this text that we've been able to look at this morning. Lord, you knew, you knew that Peter was going to fall. You called him towards prayer. I pray, Lord, that we would be someone, people who just hear that and call upon you and pray unto you. We couldn't do anything to save ourselves. It was all the result of you dying on the cross for our sins. It's all through faith in what you have accomplished for us by dying for us. But we also do not have the ability to have fruit come out of our lives apart from the Spirit working in us. We don't have the ability to have our lives be such where we flee temptation apart from you enabling us and us depending upon you. And I pray that that would happen, that would mark our lives. And Lord, that the result would just be fruit that comes out of our lives that just honors you and glorifies your name. And we shine brightly as lights in this valley, Lord, and even to the uttermost parts of this world. We pray that you would accomplish that, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.